You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. This week we have with us Pastor Darren Enns. How are you doing, sir? Hey, everybody. I'm good. I believe the pastor is now official paperwork and signed. Is that, and I don't know if it's paid for yet, but it's at least official. <laughs> yeah, I'm still only licensed to do ministry. I'm not ordained yet. Oh, okay. I'll see how that works. I don't know. I don't even know. Drew, are you ordained? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You you know, you've still got to do a few things, a couple hoops to jump through. All right. Also with us, Pastor (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Drew Tarwater. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Good to be with you guys. Happy June. Right. And I'm Rob Lazzi here with you guys today. If you're listening and you have questions, life at ForefrontChurch.tv. Shoot us a note. Love to hear from us as we keep pushing towards our questions episode sometime. Maybe we'll do that here at the end of the summers. Just questions from the field for Darren. Yeah, throw us some tough ones. Oh, I got Give us some curveballs. See, all the, tough ones, all, all the tough ones I like is limits. Darren doesn't like to speculate on. <laughs> That's why we have to pick a week Darren's out of town. Yeah. Well, that was last week. I know. True, we missed out. True. forever now. I uh, know. It's true. We, we speculated a little bit last time. Yeah. So speculate, not the right, what, you use a big word. You don't like to pontificate, pontificate, pontif- pontificate, hypothesize. You guys are all smart and using big words. Postulize. I'm just the translator for us uh, fifth graders out here. <laughs> so you're like the NIV. <laughs> yeah. Is that what that I mean, is? Don't knock the NIV. Hey, no. <laughs> I know the guy who wrote it. Oh, that's funny. So this Inside last joke for Bible nerds. See, I don't even get the joke. See, that's the worst part. <laughs> but he laughed at it, which was great. <laughs> I'm just laughing to be a part of the group. <laughs> so last week, Mitch uh, preached on Saul's conversion to Paul. I just want to start off with a question with what he talked about, which I never heard before. So as he said, it might not be as much, his name might not have been much as of a name change as just using his Roman name. Is So that was right. new information to me. Is that like, is that a hypothesis? Like, what, help me out understand that name change a little bit more on that on that level. Yeah. So you know, Saul was a Jew. He was educated and was really on track to be um, what we would look at as a member of the the Pharisees. Maybe even in the Sanhedrin someday. Uh, was really a bright. You know, he, in today's terms, he would have been a guy that would have gone to Harvard or Yale and you saw that was moving towards politics and uh, was somebody that people were really excited about. And Saul was his Jewish name, but he had, you know, family members that were Greek citizens. Paul was a Greek citizen coming from Tarsus. And so, you know, some of the thoughts are that Paul was his, his, his Greek, the way his name was pronounced in Greek. Saul was how it was pronounced in Hebrew. And so, you know, after his conversion, he basically started going by Paul just to mark the differentiation and the change in his life. And so there is a a textual key that it's not like we say Saul converted to Paul. 
like, well, that doesn't really mean anything. He converted to being a follower of Jesus. Right. So in, in chapter 9 of Acts, verse 22, um, this is after Saul met Jesus on the road. And it says, but Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. So obviously he is following Jesus and reading the scriptures, which is uh, the Old Te- their Old Testament, and, and seeing Jesus in it. So even here, after he's quote-unquote converted, he is still called Saul. Still called Saul, yeah. And it's, it's not until he really starts his ministry to the Gentiles, where he enters Roman and Greek contexts, that he starts going by Paul, and that he's identified as such by Luke in the books of Acts. So it's not as much as like Abram to Abraham name change. It's more, it's the right. cultural name that he uses in that area, just to sort of be in the culture. Yeah, it's, it's like someone from an Asian country will moving to, to a Western country will often adopt a different name. Yeah. Like there's a comedian out there who his name is Jimmy, but he's from China, but that's Jimmy is not his, his given name at birth. You just change it to inter American context. Very similar to that. Okay, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, with talk about then Saul's conversion, like the other part that really kind of weirds me out is like in the healing process, it said like scales fall off of his eyes or something falls off of his eyes. Is that like, did he become a lizard? Like, what happened? (laughs) It is really interesting that, you know, you've got this character Saul who you know is this young guy and he's coming up and you know he's he's there in Acts chapter 7 at Stephen's stoning and he he would have had plenty of opportunities to hear about Jesus and and you know at that point in time the the Christians weren't called Christians and it wasn't called the church it was called the way so it's viewed as a sect of Christianity or I'm sorry, a sect of Judaism. It's the way followers of the way. And so, you know, it talks about, you know, Saul became aware of the way. And so he's, he, he's just got this murderous intent in his heart and he's hearing people, you know, he heard Stephen in Acts chapter seven, preach this great sermon about Jesus. Um, and yet it says that they laid their coats at Saul's feet. So Saul approved that you know they were going to stone and kill um, Stephen, and now Saul is running around and he's uh, you know arresting Christians and all these things. So Saul had all these opportunities to hear about the gospel, but he rejected it over and over again. It took Jesus doing this really powerful um, intervention into Saul's life, where he is blinded by a bright light. He hears Jesus speak to him, and scales come on his eyes to get his attention and wake him up. Uh, so really, you know. It was a kind of a, a powerful display by Jesus to get Saul's attention. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy to think that. So, so Saul, you mentioned there in a little bit there is like, what was Saul before Jesus? Like, what was what was his life like? What was what was he doing? Obviously, he was persecuting Christians, but what was his? Uh, Mitch made a good comment about it in the sermon last week. It was like, like his intentions were actually really good, and he thought he was defending the Jewish faith. Yeah, according to what he thought was true, that's what he was doing. Um, so we know he's from Tarsus, which is a, a Greek city. Um, he's also a Roman citizen, which is really unique. And so he was born outside of Palestine, but then he moved to Palestine. Um, and Drew, you found an article that says what we know more about Paul. Do you want to talk more about that? Like Saul of Tarsus, he was, he was a Jew, but he also grew up in our Greek Roman context as well. He did. Yeah, he did. And, and, but he was, he was really had this desire to become a rabbi. 
And so Saul wanted to become a rabbi. He was zealous for the Jewish faith. And so, you know, he, he basically, like, as you said, he comes to, uh, to Israel and he's going to be trained by the best. He's going to learn from the best and he's a bright young guy. Um, but his heart was hardened against Jesus and against the followers of the way. And so, yeah, he, he thought he was doing right by arresting Christians and killing Christians and throwing them in prison. He really thought that that was how he was going to snuff out this, this cult called the way, which became Christianity because he thought it was, it was obviously, um, you know, heresy and, and it was all made up and it was all lies. And so he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus as he's on the way to go arrest more Christians. People were scared of Saul. It was like, you know, if you were in a town, you heard Alexander the Great's army was coming, you would be frightened because here comes this army to decimate your city. Well, if you were a Christian and you heard that Saul of Tarsus was coming to your town, you knew as Christians, you had to go run and hide. And so it's on the road to Damascus that Jesus powerfully intervenes with this bright light that blinds Saul. Um, and Jesus speaks to Saul, even though it sounds like to his traveling companions, like thunder. Yeah, it was the uh, analogy Mitch used in the sermon I thought was interesting, where it's like, imagine a character like in the history past, like Saddam Hussein, who's someone in our lifetime we know, you know, was a powerful person, maybe not obviously the perfect apples to apples comparison and where they, what kind of life they lived. But like that type of person was like, if his people came knocking at your door and you were a Christian, you're probably pretty concerned about your life. Right. Where it's, and then, you know, so here's Saul in this conversion moment. And it sounded like thunder likely to his companions. They didn't, couldn't understand what was going on. So the confusion was probably that much greater of what was going on. Yeah, so another thing that, that I'm interested in is is Paul's teacher. What was going on with, uh, like, where was he trained? How did he get to know his stuff? And he says um, in Acts 22, verse 3, that he was educated under Gamaliel, who was a famous rabbi at the time, a contemporary of Jesus, of course, as well. And then in, in Acts 5, verse 34, we see Gamaliel pop up again. And... Um, a lot of the, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders are looking to Gamaliel for for leadership and for guidance as to what to do with these new Christians. So in Acts 5, this is after Peter and John have been arrested several times. This is what Drew talked about uh, two weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. So after they're imprisoned, um, Gamaliel shows up in, in Acts 5.34 and, and he stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And so he was, he was a little, um, he was, I was, he was the, the liberal guy, right? Shammai was conservative. The conservative. Yeah. Right. You, in just like today in our politics, how we have two different camps, um, Jewish politics in that time had two different camps, one conservative, one liberal. Gamaliel was kind of the leader of the liberal camp, and he counseled the, the people to be a little bit more gentle with these men. Um, because he he was like, if it's of God, he says this in, in 539, if it is of God, like what they're preaching is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them or else you may even be found fighting against God. Wow. And this was Paul's teacher. And we see Paul in this moment later on not accepting the advice of his teacher. And I think that's unique. Paul seems to be reacting against the liberal camp, going conservative, 
and and fighting and even killing these people who were preaching about Jesus being the Messiah. I think I've seen this in Star Wars before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, completely derailed it right there. (laughs) No, but but it's real. You know, you you think about the story of redemption that God gives us in Scripture, that we see in Jesus, and even in Paul. And really, every great story has been pulled from this, right? You know, Harry Potter, Star Wars, you know, all all, all the great storylines have been pulled from this. You know, Lord of the Rings in many ways. Good versus evil. Right. Yeah. Good versus evil. And this idea that, you know, Paul was zealous for the Jewish faith. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Paul had this zeal in him that said, no, I'm going to protect it. You know, and so Jesus intervenes and says, no, Paul, I am am the king. And and when he when he blinds Paul on the road to Damascus, Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And and Saul's like, well, who, who are you? And he's like, I'm Jesus. And Saul at that point, it's like, oh my gosh, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, like that, that feeling you get when you said something to somebody you didn't, you know, you didn't realize you said that hurt, that hurt them or the feeling you get on a roller coaster where your you know, your stomach goes in your throat. Imagine how Paul felt right then. Like he's, he, he, he's now seeing that Jesus is the King of heaven and he's been the one he's been persecuting. And now he's on his knees. He's been blinded. He, he's sitting on this road um, and, and he's being con- you know, confronted by Jesus. And it just, at that point in time, it changed Paul's life. You know, and it makes me think, you know, and this is interesting, Darren and Rob to think about, you know, Mitch talked about in the sermon, which I thought was really good about, you know, some of us, um, you know, some of us are, are conversion stories or, or, you know, we were having a conversation, you know, my conversion story, I had a conversation with my grandma when I was young and mm-hmm. she shared the gospel with me. And I, I wanted that, right. I wanted to know Jesus. I wanted heaven. I wanted a new life, you know? And so I accepted Jesus right then for other people. It's a terrible situation in life yeah. where it's addiction or it's a destroyed relationship or whatever. It's a cancer diagnosis that really helps kind of wake up our minds and our hearts to the reality of, of Jesus. Paul was so zealous. He missed all of the, the, the different things. So Jesus basically sets him down and wakes him up. But in a way, Jesus chose Saul for this mission to take the message to the Gentiles. And so sometimes Jesus gets our attention um, in, in, a, in a touch or a nuance. Other times he hits you in the head by the two by four. Yeah, so, and I've asked this question a lot too, especially in, in um, you know, some of our, some of you listeners out there, you might be be jealous of someone else's testimony. Like you, you were like, you, you're like Mitch or you were like Drew or like me. You, you just grew up in the church. Wasn't anything, you know, awful that happened to you just by the grace of God. You understood the gospel at a young age and, and have always kind of followed Jesus where and then you you don't feel like you have your story to tell because someone else stands up and they share their their testimony about coming out of drugs, coming out of addiction, coming out of this or that and how Jesus you know shocked them and, and their their life changed so much and you're just here kind of always been living that life and you're like man I wish I had a better testimony. I wish my my testimony would imp- be more impactful. Um, and and I, I asked this question, would you really rather have grown up without Jesus and lived a life of addiction? Mm. Like I, I don't I, I think that's really dangerous. I don't think we want to desire that evil for ourselves. Um, we can be we can rejoice in those testimonies, but we don't rejoice 
in the evil that happened to them. I think there's a di- there's a difference there. There's a dichotomy. We can be happy for a great salvation story, but we're not happy that's how it had to happen. No, it's because um, eventually all of us will just be continually in the presence of God, and and there won't I, be any of that. It's interesting right. you say that because like I kind of joke with my wife when like we're praying for patience or something like that. I always go, let's pray for it and let's ask for it kindly. Because how many stories do you hear like someone goes like, hey, I broke my leg. It was tough. But you know what? God taught me th- uh, patience. Well, after I broke my leg, it's like, well, I don't I don't I don't want to learn that way. Like that's yeah. th- I you know, I'm fine with learning in a kinder way. But it's just it's funny where it's like you're talking about that, Darren. It's like there's a perspective there. We don't celebrate the evil. And, you, you know, it's but and how many times I think in culture, we also it's a it's tough to celebrate when good things happen. People don't want to. You know, they don't want to they feel like they're rubbing into someone who had a bad time or it's like, you know, it's a great testimony when you come to faith at a younger age. and You don't have to go through certain things that other people went through. It's a, it's a blessing. And we that should be celebrated more than be, hey, I'm a, kind of ashamed that of my testimony. Yeah. And all of us, even if we've grown up at the church, we have we still have stories about how God has acted in our lives. Mm-hmm. We do. It's not like he's totally absent. And so, so I encourage everyone to think about like, what is your story? How can you share that even, you know, post conversion, if you want to say those words, um, even the, like the, the, the debate about, are you converted? Are you just like, does everyone have to have a moment where they're like a sinner and then a saint? Like, is, is that a thing? Does everybody have to have a Saul like experience where you come to faith or can it just be something you're in or can it be a slow burn? Where you look back and like, oh yeah, I totally believe this, and I I'm in the kingdom of heaven now. Yeah, I think everybody's experiences are different for sure, but there is an element that we see in scripture of of you know you can't please God without faith, right? We see that in the book of Hebrews, and so you know faith is um, the the key, right? Ephesians two, you know you are saved by grace through faith, so faith is the vehicle in which God saves us. But it's not about how strong our faith is. It's about how strong Jesus is and his sacrifice for us. And so I think for some people it is. You know, they, they've had this crazy conversion experience like Saul. For others, it's, you know, you spent time in the church and you kept hearing the gospel and God kept tugging at your heartstrings and then you chose to say yes. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a lot for other people, but you guys are 100% right. We each, each have stories and sometimes the most powerful stories are after we've said yes to Jesus how God has rescued us out of our sinfulness or our selfishness or our pride. Or, you know, we have these situations that happen that really, they help wake us up to God's goodness in our life. And we be, you know, start to pursue the, his plan for us. So I think all of us have a story to tell. Just learning to see it, to see how God's fingerprints are on it are what's so powerful for others to hear. I know my story is, uh, I just become more humble. I just, I'm really humble guys. Just so you guys are aware of this, like, I just want to let I feel you. Like I've heard this before. I know. Yeah, yeah right. probably. I'm, I repeat stories and jokes You're the often. Worst person, you know. I yeah, probably could be. So, I'm not trying to one up you guys, but just a little bit more humble, maybe. <laughs> so then, in all that, then the significance of Paul's testimony now that with his conversion, his road to Damascus story, you know, obviously ripples through Christianity today. But help help me understand that a little bit more now. I do think it's really one of the most powerful evidences that Jesus is really who he said he was, that Jesus changes lives and the Bible is true. You know, we'll talk about the disciples. Hey, here's these scaredy cat guys that were hiding in the upper room after Jesus is arrested and killed. 
And then they see Jesus and now they're bold and they give their life for Jesus. That's powerful. But I think also really powerful is that you have a murderous, zealous Jewish guy named Saul who wants to snuff out Christians. And he, in fact, gets converted to Christianity, becomes a church planter and a missionary and spreads the gospel all over Asia Minor and all over Europe, has plans to take it to Spain. And he ends up, you know, getting in, giving his life for the gospel and writes, you know, two-thirds of the books in the New Testament. And so God chose the man that he wanted to use to take the gospel. And so what a powerful testament that is, that here's a guy that wanted to kill everybody who followed Jesus, who begins the most, who, who becomes the most, um, you know, zealous Christian and church planner missionary ever, who gives his life for the gospel. What a 180. And I think it's just a powerful proof of how Jesus can move in our lives and take what we think is important and reprioritize our hearts and our minds to see what God sees as most important. Absolutely. So one of the interesting things I always thought with the, the conversion with Saul to Paul and his teachings, and I think, Darren, you mentioned this in a past podcast a little bit, but is then the uh, how Peter treated him. Because like, because Paul was had written things that even right. Peter didn't understand, but they still worked together. Yeah. So is it in? It, it's somewhere. I think I know what you're talking about. Where Paul confronts Peter. Yeah. Is that late? Yeah. Is where Galatians. Galatians. Yeah, that's right. So um, we're gonna see here in a couple weeks. Uh, Acts 15 is what we call the Jerusalem Council. It's like the first gathering of Christian leaders where they get together to decide on some things. And one of those things was, does a person have to convert to Judaism or do the Jewish things, such as observe the Sabbath, um, eat the right foods, and get circumcised in order to be a follower of Jesus? Because there were two big camps. You had Paul as the leader of the no camp. They don't. And um, then you had people called the Judaizers, uh, which we read about in Galatians, who come through after Paul comes and says, hey, so yeah, you heard this from Paul, but but he didn't give you the whole picture. These are things you need to do as well. And it was it was a, an issue because it was changing their ethnicity. So it'd be like, hey, Drew, if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to eat Birox and Verenica. <laughs> which is a Mennonite thing that, that I grew right. up, that those foods that I'm, I'm eating. And you have to become a pacifist too. Like you have to do all these things. And like, no, that's, that's not what we find in scripture. It is a multinational movement. Uh, and that's from here until Acts 15, we see these things start to start to happen. And, and Peter, even though he agrees with the Acts 15 movement and decision that no, you don't have to um, be circumcised or eat foods, Peter goes back on it, and and then Paul confronts him, um, and we find that out in in Galatians. Yeah, it's also you know you have this kind of you know in, in the midst of that you have this kind of arrogance that you know the the Jews were I think we see this clearly we can say this that they were just kind of arrogant people right they thought they were better than everybody else because they were God's chosen people and you they see clearly that, weren't as they, humble as I am that's for sure they weren't as humble as Rob Blouse there's, <laughs> there's no doubt. But yeah, so Peter, you know, he acts one way in front of the, the, the Greek 
guys, and then as soon as the Jewish guys show up, Peter starts acting another way, and that bothered Paul, and Paul just calls him out, you know. Um, but I do think there is a little bit of a tension there, and we're going to see next week that you know Peter um, has this interaction with with God that shows him that you know all things are clean. And that changes Peter's perspective. But yet Peter still is kind of holding on to some of his old Jewish tendencies, whereas Paul almost gets the gospel immediately. Now, one of the interesting to think, things to think about Paul, and, and Darren, you may know the specific number, but you know, Paul gets converted. Paul goes to Ananias' house, right? Ananias shares the you know, truth with him. The scales are dropped off his eyes. They lower him out of a basket out of the city of Damascus because people were coming for him because they knew he was there and they wanted to kill him. And then Paul goes and he learns and spends time you know, learning under the disciples. And you know, we think about Paul's rise to get to church planning. I, was it, I think it was, it was nine or ten years, wasn't it, between I, Paul's conversion so it may have been seventeen. Seventeen years. Yeah. Okay. So and I this is something that I've heard about, but I haven't super studied it closely. But we read it read about it in Galatians. Um Galatians one eighteen says, Then after three years, and this is talking about his mm-hmm. experience right after um it, he he was in Damascus. After three years I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, who is Peter. Right. Uh, and stayed with him for fifteen days. He saw James, the Lord's brother. None of the other apostles. Um, I assure you before God that what I'm writing is no lie. Then he goes to Syria, to Cilicia, or Cilicia. Um, and then they only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. And so there's Paul's testimony being spread out throughout the region that Paul was persecuting people. But now he's preaching about Jesus. And then at the beginning of chapter 2 of Galatians, then after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus also and meet, met with esteemed leaders. Mm. Um, and so there's there's two different years that Paul gives. There's three years, there's 14 years. Right. Now, it, within that 14, he may have gone to start planting some churches, but it was still, as Drew said, a decent amount of time that he spent learning about the Old Testament, reading it through a Jesus lens before he really started going. It wasn't instant. He did right. have to, he had to go to seminary. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. There's quite a bit of time there. Really fascinating. Think about that. You know, Paul didn't just one day turn and start planting churches. No, he went to seminary, spent time with Peter and these other guys. And, and then when it was time, he goes to, to Antioch and, and they send him out on his first missionary journey. Yep. Which is crazy to think about too. Is like at some point, you're, I'm sure these guys like, you know, Peter, and they trust the conversion, but then all of a sudden there's a disagreement on something like, did he really, like, how is, he, you know, is he just going undercover here for a while? Like, what's the... Well, they talk about that, you know, he, he shows up, and Peter and the guys are like, well, hold on, wait a second, is he, yeah, like is, the, is he like the... It's like the first the, episode the of Undercover Boss. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, like, yeah, it's like, really, is this right? Did, did he really do this? And, um, but... You know, the name change is significant to think about. Maybe that is not just him going to Rome in the Roman, you know, cities and changing, becoming Paul, but also it signifies who he is now, right? He's going to go by Paul now instead of Saul, even among the Jewish guys, to show that no, he has changed. He's not the same guy he was before. No, it's interesting to think about. So what's what's on the what's going on next week on the behind the sermon? Yeah, so the the next acts next couple of weeks of acts are really cool because it picks up. We see Peter get invited to go visit with Cornelius and he, Peter sees um, really God tells him it's okay to start eating bacon 
which is awesome. Uh, see, I already got one little joke in there. Yeah, we're, uh, we're debating on how many bacon jokes. Yeah, how many bacon barbecue and barbecue jokes, jokes are going to be in the sermon yeah. next week. The over-under <laughs> is three and a half for those of you keeping yeah. track at home. I've already got a half in there. Yeah, and then the week after that, we're going to see that, you know, basically the, the gospel starts going out. They start planting churches. So um, we're going to see that Peter, or I'm sorry, that Paul starts taking the message to the Gentiles. Um, you know, the people start getting saved, and that leads to the Jerusalem Council. Yeah, Holy Spirit starts baptizing people who are not Jewish. Right. They're Gentiles, and yeah. that creates controversy because they're not going, circumcised. They're not observing a Sabbath. Right. Yeah. No, that'll be and that'll be interesting. Really cool. That'll be interesting to hear about. So, as we wrap this up today, today though, Pastor Darren ends. Any parting thoughts? Nah, not today. I'm really excited for this next part, though. The whole, the sheet coming of heaven with all the food. Eat, eat. Peter's <laughs> <The laughs> vision. Pastor Drew Tarwater, any barbecue references before we let you go? Bacon wrapped jalapenos it had to have been just like the greatest new gift to the disciples. Like, Where did jalapenos imagine. come from, though? I mean, do they have them in the Middle East? Bacon wrapped dates. That'd be uh, that'd be pretty good, actually. Interesting. Yeah, did you imagine the first time you did like a bacon wrapped pork? You know, uh, pork chop. Okay, like, Drew, you you have to do a history of bacon in your sermon. <laughs> just just right. do it. Challenge accepted. <laughs> He's going to be up there on Sunday. Like I didn't prepare as much as I would. I got in a rabbit hole on bacon, and so let me tell you about pork. Let me tell you all about. it. So, well, thank you guys. If you have a questions or thoughts you want to share with us, your thoughts on bacon and pork, email us life at forefrontchurch.tv. Not really. Just talk to Drew about that. Yeah, just that can, that can be <laughs> Drew at Forefront Church. <laughs> so, but uh, we'd love to hear from you any questions you have, especially as we get into some of the more fun conversations coming up here in the next few weeks about the church and, you know, the guidelines of, you know, from the Jewish culture to the, you know, the Greek and Roman culture and outside the, you know, the Jewish culture and how it all inter intertwines. So thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.